This is episode number 57 with the co-founders of Accelerated Waste Solutions, Sherrod Hunter and Fred Tomlin. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side. And I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, And if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now. Let's drop into the episode. My guests today are two amazing entrepreneurs with such a cool story. Sherrod Hunter and Fred Tomlin are co-founders, CEO, and president of Accelerated Waste Solutions, which is also a very cool business in its own right. It's really two businesses under one umbrella, doorstep details specializing in trash valet services and junk shot specializing in junk removal services. These guys, as I mentioned, have such a cool entrepreneurial story, and they share a lot of this journey here in the podcast today. They talk about how they didn't get off to as quick of a start as they planned to, so they pivoted, almost reinvented their initial business model, which then led to some amazing growth that they experienced. They talk about how they've been able to leverage technology in an industry that has never really done so, and how that's given them some very unique differentiators They talk about their journey to franchising their business and how mentors have been so instrumental to them along this entire 
journey of building their business and ultimately franchising it. Such a cool episode. Two amazing guys. The energy that they bring is infectious. So I can't wait for everyone to check out this episode with Fred Tomlin and Sherrod Hunter, co-founders of Accelerated Waste Solutions. Let's go ahead and drop in. Fred, Sherrod, thank you guys for being here. Really appreciate you dropping in on the Path to Freedom podcast. How are you guys doing? Great, great, great. It's a trash-tastic day. Thank you for having us, Wes. Trash-tastic. I love that. I love that. Do you guys have that trademarked? Not yet, not yet, not yet. You you might need to work on that. I like that. Do you you at least have like some trash-tastic shirts or something? Because if so, I'd love to get my hands on one of those. We've got so many trash puns. We 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 might put the trademark uh, business uh, or trademark office through some serious business, but we got a lot of trash puns around here. I love it. I love it. So let's see how many of these trash puns we can weave into the conversation today. Uh, and I'll try to keep a tally as we go. So we're, we're at one so far. So speaking of trash, tell us a little bit about the business that you guys have together, Accelerated Waste Solutions. Give us kind of an overview of, you know, what the business is all about, where you guys are today. And then I'd love to hear kind of the story of, of how you guys got to this point. Uh, awesome. Again, uh, thank you for having us, Wes. Um, I'm Fred Tomlin, CEO of Accelerated Waste Solutions. I'm joined by my co-founder, President Sherrod Hunter. And uh, what Accelerated Waste Solutions is, is we're a niche waste and recycling firm. We offer uh, two main lines of business you see behind me. Um, one is the nation's only junk removal app called Junk Shop, allows you to take a photo or video of any junk or trash you're trying to remove uh, with your smartphone. And then the other side of us is uh, the doorstep detail side, which is our doorstep apartment doorstep trash collection, where we sign three to five year long-term contracts uh, to collect trash from a resident's doorsteps at apartment complexes five nights a week. And mm-hmm. we do that operation in 22 states across the country from California all the way out to Florida. Love it. So so you guys really almost have two separate businesses running under the accelerated waste solutions kind of umbrella, I guess, might, might be a good way to explain it. That's, it. That's a we perfect way to solutions. We have the junk removal solution. We have the ballet trash solution. So that's it's, it's a great business. Clearly, there's there's a huge need for junk removal. Uh, and then I, I love the the valet trash business. And I didn't realize because I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with with you guys business, but I didn't realize it was a daily pickup service. Five nights a week. Yeah. Five nights a week. That's five nights a week. In most cases, um, Sunday through Thursday is the industry standard. That's huge, man. I mean, literally, I got trash day tomorrow morning at my house and my recycling and my trash is overflowing. They pick up the recycling every two weeks and and trash once a week. And so I actually look forward to trash days. I'm like, let's get this stuff out of here so we can, you know, have room for the 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 trash coming down the pipe, I guess. So uh, much needed services. And and, you know, my loyal listeners of the podcast, they know this, but I love these what I call unsexy, dirty service businesses. Right. Because there is such a need for any of these types of service businesses. And, you know, we'll get into more of this here in a little bit with how you guys are doing an amazing job of leveraging technology and and these businesses that, you know, at at first glance, you probably wouldn't think of them as being, you know, uh, highly technological companies. But as you've already mentioned, you've got, you know, an app in your junk removal business. And that's kind of a a one of a a kind uh, innovation that you guys have created. So, very cool stuff there, but I really want to hear like 
How did you guys come up with the idea to, to get into the, the trash or the, the waste and recycling removal business? And, and then how did the two of you meet and, and become partners and co-founders? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it was some serendipity. Okay. And then uh, uh, I like to think hopefully a little business acumen. Uh, but that said, uh, just to give you some some brief background and share with you how me and Shirai came together. I'm a, a eight year U.S. Army veteran. Um, I had my 18th birthday in basic training. Oh, wow. Uh, after I did uh, four years active duty, I went on to go to college. While I was in college, I served uh, four years National Guard. Wow, um, but I graduated cool. uh, from thank you. I graduated from uh, University of South Florida with okay. a uh, marketing degree. And I went to go put that to bear over at the, uh, the the marketing capital of the world, which is uh, New York. So yeah. went out to New York uh, and I worked for a few ad agencies. Um, after that time, um, I got a little disenchanted with New York. I'm a Florida boy and uh, from a, a small little, town. And a little I'm cold, huh? <laughs> for me. And it was a little cold. Yeah. And so uh, I came back, worked for a marketing agency here in the uh, St. Petersburg, Tampa area, eventually found my way to a Fortune 500 in advertising sales. OK, um, started to have some success there, um, so was one of the top of the sales board leaders there at that, at that uh, organization. It's where I found uh, Sherrod or Sherrod found me. He was also one of the uh, top sales leaders at that organization as well. And right. in our success, we kind of got to talking. What we did for a living was selling B2B advertising, so advertising the businesses every day. Okay. And so uh, in speaking to entrepreneurs every day as part of my job, I started to get a bit envious, to, uh, to be quite honest with you, Wes. I, I, I go through part of our, our spiel, so to speak, was to take people through an ROI conversation about their sales. And I quickly find out that I'm, I'm usually the most inconvenient thing that this person's got going on today. They rather <laughs> fishing, uh, golfing, and they let me, they, they would Definitely let me know, like, hey, Fred, it's going, how much is it for a, a, a phone book ad and, and something in the uh, yellow pages online? Let's keep it moving. And, um, but that said, um, I started to get envious and explore advertising. And like a lot of your listeners, um, I looked at a host of different things, everything from starting my own business to looking at franchises like some of them are doing today. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, eventually I ran into Sherrod who uh, he tells it a, a great story about how he came into one of our lines of service that we still do today in the way of the apartment doorstep trash collection and how that service and how he introduced it over to me. But I kicked it off to Shirai. He tells a great story about how we got into that business. Yeah, I'd love to hear that story. Excellent, excellent. <clears throat> Before I tell you that, you should know that I'm, I'm from Rhode Island, West. So like Fred, can't stand the cold either. I grew yeah. up around the cold <laughs> my entire life. You got it's out of the cold. I got out. I took a family vacation to Florida. I said, whenever it's time, I'm going to Florida. Why <laughs> so, doesn't everyone live here? So, exactly, man. So, so funny story. I, I moved to Florida, picked up a job just waiting tables at a restaurant. Okay. I must have met Fred's boss, must have recruited me because she said, hey, what are you doing? You should come work for us. My guys are doing this, that and the third. She must have saw some similarities or something. No way. And that's okay. how I landed that corporate job. I uh, really changed my life. The sales training, by the way, was was phenomenal. You yeah. know, outside sales is not easy to do, right? Mm-mm. So it no. really taught us how to go penetrate, you know, be confident in your sales and be able to present your product and fulfill. Absolutely. The thing, like Fred said, we're selling an intangible product, right? So we can't really see the, 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 the benefits and the results right away. Sure. And oddly enough, I'm living at an apartment complex, luxury apartment complex, and I had a problem with my trash. Every single day, I'd have to put it on the back of my car to drive it to the one centralized location to throw it yep. away. Yep. If I had a problem, then all of a sudden, one day, it was a solution to my problem, a garbage can at my doorstep saying, put your trash in the can, five nights a week, a company is going to come to pick up the trash. Wow. 
So I thought that was pretty interesting um, until I went to renew my rent and they tried to charge me 30 bucks extra a day for this service. Uh, so I'm like, wait a minute, I can do that myself. Now I can put the trash in my own car. You know, 30, 30 bucks a day. I'm sorry. 30 bucks a month. I'm oh, okay. Sorry. 30 I was going to say, every wow. Single month. But every yeah. month is still though. serious. Sure. And you know what they would do? They would justify it by breaking down the daily cost. Say, hey, it's only a dollar a day, you know, a cup of coffee a day. Yeah. You're coming to pick up your trash. <laughs> so they trying to sell it to me like that. And yeah. Mr. Hunter, I saw that, that nice Cadillac you had. You don't have to put the trash on it. So I'm like, what's going on here? They're selling me on this trash service. So they're making, I figured out, you know, as I'm walking out and, and negotiated a lower uh, rate on my lease, that they must be making money off of this service. So the so the apartment complex the apartment was actually charging, making money off charging of over it. and yeah. above what the mm -hmm. company is saying. Sure. So it kind of yep. led me back to what I was doing every day, selling something that wasn't tangible. Now I have a tangible service, right? That I can see the benefits of every day as a resident. Now I'm saying, wait a minute. So I have a, a benefit from a resident side, but the property is making money off of this, this service. Yeah. yeah. That was it, man. It just made it made so much sense to me, right, to get into a business that that had those win wins, but also I could use my sales prowess, right, to go and penetrate apartment complexes instead of local businesses. So, just yeah. made a lot of sense. And um, one of the things that I realized, it seemed like, and you could probably relate. Sometimes people will work harder for other people than they work for themselves. Yeah. Right? And we, I was working hard, <laughs> working hard out there selling yellow pages and selling stuff. So we're like. If we can just take a chance and do something, you know, that we believe in, you know, this this might work. And so it just made a lot of sense to, to go in that direction. Well, guys, I, I love the story. I love the background of, of how the two of you connected and kind of where the idea. So it sounds like Accelerated Waste Solutions or what is now Accelerated Waste Solutions. It really started with the the idea for a trash valet service, what, what you guys call doorstep details. I said we wanted to run Tampa. We, we the company was Tampa Bay Trash. And okay. So what, was our, what was our tagline? What was our tagline, Fred? Do you remember our tagline? Helping, 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 helping others day after day. Helping Tampa Bay day yeah, after day. Tampa Bay day after day. Oh, I like it. It's got some a little bit of rhyming to go with it. It's it's catchy and and it's it is probably like gets stuck in people's heads. So I think that's great. You know, tagline wise, but no, seriously, I think it's a good story and. And so it sounds like, you know, both of you kind of, you know, climbed the corporate ranks and, and eventually got to the point. Uh, and, and Fred, you mentioned you were talking to a lot of other entrepreneurs, you know, in, in your sales role. They were clients of yours and, and kind of started seeing, hey, you know, these guys are building something for themselves. Uh, whereas, you know, you as as corporate employees were really kind of building something for someone else. And I think that's a very common uh, avenue for people to take to get into business ownership. You know, you hear from a lot of entrepreneurs, they're like, hey, by the time I was five, I had a paper route and I knew I wanted to, to be an entrepreneur. But I think there's even more entrepreneurs out there today that, that started out, you know, working a more traditional kind of career path and, and eventually got to the point and said, look, I'm busting my tail for someone else. And, and I'm getting great results for them, but, you know, I'm probably not getting compensated proportionally uh, to, to what I'm contributing. So why don't I go build something for me? And I know, you know, in my my business, the people that I work with, that's the, the vast majority of them. You know, they've had mm -hmm. usually quite a bit of success in, in the corporate world or whatever their career path has been. But they finally just for one reason or another, get to the point where they're like, I'm going to go do this for me instead of doing it for someone else. So, you know, I, I love hearing that story and, and kind of the pathway that you guys took, because I think there's a lot of people out there 
that that really resonates with. And, and I think there's a lot of people that are in a very similar boat today. So I think, you know, them hearing that you guys were willing to bet on yourselves and, and have gone on to have success and are in a position where, you know, you're poised to go on and have a lot more success. I think that can be very inspiring. So thank you guys for sharing that. So talk to me a little bit more about, you know, the early days, right? So you guys met at, at a previous job, you know, Sherrod kind of had the idea for valet trash. So what then you had this kind of light bulb moment, like this is a, a tangible service. This is literally something that could benefit our clients day in, day out. You know, we're actually yeah. selling another revenue stream to, to our clients. So it's, you know, a fairly easy sell in that regard, I would imagine. So you've got mm -hmm. this idea. So, so then what did you guys jump all in or did you kind of take some time to build out a business plan or, or how did it really get rolling from there? We were, we were we were all in next next week because Fred. The thing is, Fred was was a guy I, I looked up to. Fred anyway, he's very involved in the community. I mean, he was active doing promoting, marketing flyers, this, that, and the third. And so when I came to him with the idea, I said, Fred, we're bringing millions of dollars into this company, right? And people are trusting us as account executives to get it done. Uh -huh. So I told him about this business model, my whole trash problem, right? I say, listen, we're going to go out and make business cards as account executives for this company. We don't need to be the big, bad CEOs, right? I'm going to go out and sell this service just like we do every day. Next week, the website was up. The business cards was up. The letterhead. We had the uniforms. We were out there in the streets. Me and Fred going to every single apartment complex in Tampa as account executives. We, had, we just had it all figured out, Wes. The business plan was down. We just knew we were going to, we were going to kill it. I love that. So so you, you just said, look, we're going to essentially take the exact same approach as what we've been doing as account executives for, for this other company. And we're going to go sell this new service idea that we have. So you didn't, you know, call yourself CEO or president or founder, uh, or at least at, at that time you didn't, I think that's smart. Did it, do you think it took some pressure off of you by, by doing that? We, we thought it did. You know why? Because everybody loved us. Everybody, bye guys, see you again. Give me a bid. They were loving us. Just smiles, hugs, just mutual mystification. We're putting out one bid after another. <laughs> high fives, high fives. Man, it did not work, Wes. Failed miserably. Oh, <laughs> Next thing you know, we don't, have no, we don't have no contract. We have no contracts as an account exec. We were the greatest sales guys around. <laughs> That's not where Believe I saw it. that story going. I mean, with, with your energy, man, I think I'd buy anything you're selling. Um, so, all right. So let me ask you this, because I want to hear what you did after it, it didn't work. But prior to that, you know, you said you went all in, you had the website up within a week and business cards and you were, you know, pounding the pavement. Did you quit your other jobs or were you still still working as account executives selling advertising and, and kind of moonlighting to, to get the valet trash business up and running. That's it. We're not yeah. on it. We're real, yeah. like I said, we're real corporate American transitioners. And so yeah. that's what we did. We crawl, walk, run it. Um, we sell uh, yellow pages in the morning and uh, go out and uh, uh, beat doors down at apartment complexes in the afternoon. And like Sherrod said, we did get traction. We got bids presented. We, we shook a lot of hands, kissed a lot of babies. <laughs> but that said, uh, we were we we were we were unsuccessful. Months passed, and we had to look ourselves because, like I said, we we're pretty studiful uh, sales guys. Mm -hmm. We had to look ourselves in the mirror and go, "Hey, what's going on here? Why, you know, we sell something you can't even feel, touch, or taste? Why can't we sell this, you know, this real beneficial service when and around us?" So you understand. 
uh, the Valley Trash Service was actually incepted inside of uh, Tampa Bay. Tampa. And yeah. so the pioneers of the okay. service were actually headquartered inside of Tampa. So it was pretty uh, uh, an adopted service by the time we'd taken on it, taken it on to uh, as a service for ourselves. So we were very confused on why this was taking place. Finally, we had uh, a property manager that we had beat down for months and months. And uh, she said, you know what, guys, she took pity on us. <laughs> and she said, you know what, guys, if you take me to lunch, I think I can point, point you in some a different direction that might give you some um, some different results. OK. And so she took us to lunch or we took her to lunch. Yeah. And uh, she didn't pick a chair to piss. And <laughs> we took her to lunch, though. And uh, what she really shared with us pretty much transformed our business, uh, especially to the, in, in, the, in regards to the niche that we provide. And since we target apartment complexes, um, we didn't understand how relationships drive this industry. Okay. Um, it's a, uh, it's even though it's a massive industry in the way of billions, there's uh, well over 18 million uh, doorsteps across the country, and it of course counts for uh, billions upon billions of dollars in revenue uh, sure. every year in the United States. Um, but that said, it's a very pretty cottage industry. There's apartment co- uh, property management companies that operate these. Some are family owned, some are corporate, mm. and um, all of them are connected through uh, their local apartment association, which kind of acts as this. Uh, this uh, community guide to not only vendor relations, but also education for property management on best practices for operating an apartment complex. Okay. And we weren't in that. We weren't in any of those associations. Uh, we weren't in any of those relationships. We weren't in any of those rooms uh, or shaking the hands of people that were really making the decisions for, for uh, contracting these services. And once we understood that value of relationships, we started to penetrate. We joined our local apartment association. We attended uh, trade shows. We joined committees like the golf committee or the networking committee or the maintenance uh, mania committee. And we started to gain traction. In the interim, um, we're not one to sit on our hands. And so while we we shared with you that uh, the valet trash didn't gain traction right away, we still at the time were called Tampa Bay Trash. And I had a website up, gosh darn it. And there was some other service that I could put on that site that we could make some revenue from. I just knew. It. And so, um, like a lot of people, um, junk removal was a um, mm. pretty uh, low resistance business to enter. Yep. And so we simply put the service up with the idea that somebody calls in, we'll fulfill it. And eventually somebody did call in, right? We're helping Tampa Bay day after day. So somebody called in. We didn't even have a pickup truck. That's, uh, we our, What we had was a friend's borrowed pickup truck that we had on standby just in case <laughs> We got one of these valet trash contracts that we had to pull off. We call him up. Hey, we need to borrow your pickup truck. Go pick up. I think it was a basketball goal and some other items. And we picked that thing up. And Rod, we're so novice in business. I, I, I think the check was like 80 bucks or something like that. Rod actually called the bank to verify the funds on the check before he hey. deposited it. I start bro, it's like 80. I don't want to start with funds <laughs> overdrawn, right? I don't want to. <laughs> Man. Like, bro, it's 80 bucks. But that, uh, <laughs> fast forward it, it, uh, it streamlined into a whole a whole bit of our, a whole nother portion of our business. We had a bit of uh, a luck in that, in that regard where we started our business in 2008. And if you don't remember what happened in 2008, it was the Great Recession, the foreclosure mm-hmm. crisis of America. Yep. And we benefited from that like a lot of waste companies. Um, all those foreclosed homes, unfortunately, that people had to experience, they yep. did have to get cleaned out by the banks. And remember, we were becoming experts at relationship building. So at that time, we started to build relationships with asset managers at banks, um, started to build relationships Brilliant. with realtors. And we started to grow that side of our business through relationships. 
the same way we started the Gunner contracts. We eventually got an apartment complex to give us a small little uh, contract for bulk item removal. Uh, and that's the symbiosis between us and both of our, our businesses is that where a single family home consumer may go through a junk removal event maybe once a year, once every two or three years, an apartment complex is going through a junk removal event almost every week, sometimes every day. And so that frequency garnered us to go through and get these bulk removal contracts. Eventually that bulk removal contract got our foot in the door to build that relationship. And we ended up signing our first ballet trash contract Believe it or not, which we still have today, our contracts we signed for three to five years, then they go into a month-to-month -month phase. That okay. contract we had month-to-month -month for almost five years. That's how, how uh, great we were operating it. Wow. We recently re-signed re that contract for another five years. So when it's fully turned, we'll be there for 15 years at one apartment complex, which is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty amazing. No, but that speaks volumes to, to the service that you're providing and the value that goes with it. Yeah, no, thank you. Man, all right. So there's so much in this story that that I want to unpack a little bit and and ask you guys about. So seriously, thank you for going into the detail. Like I'm I'm sitting here fascinated because you know I've I've had the chance to meet you guys a little bit, know a little bit about your business, but you know this is this is fascinating to me to hear some of this backstory. So first question I have for you, you know, because as you've already said, you guys kind of jumped right in. I mean, it sounds like there there was no hesitation when the idea for a, a valet trash business came upon you, you jumped all in. Right. Yeah. And, and I like what you said about, you know, you kind of transitioned in, right. You kept your job, you, ke you kept your income. And I think that's important for people to hear too, because same for a lot of people that I work with, even in my own entrepreneurial career, you know, we put one foot in and then the other, right. We didn't. Yeah. And I think that's what scares the hell out of so many people when they're thinking about making that transition, you know, the thought mm -hmm. of just, walking away from a good income and probably benefits and, and everything that goes with that. It's, it's terrifying. And, and there's plenty of people that have done that or have been forced to do that uh, and still gone on to be successful. But I think the point here is you don't have to do it that way. There are ways that you can kind of ease into it and be a little more strategic. So I'm glad that you shared that part of it, but I mean, what do you guys attribute the fact that you just jumped in? Right. And I, I love what you guys told us in terms of, you know, the the idea at the time was valet trash and, and that didn't take off the way you were thinking it would. But you didn't sit on your hands. You said, what else can we do in the meantime to get some revenue coming in? Right. And so you really reinvented your entire business model almost. And, and you got started through the junk removal and the, the valet trash came later once you kind of developed some relationships. So I guess there's a couple of questions in there I'd love to have you guys speak to. One is like, what gave you the courage and the confidence to say, hey, we're going to do this. We're not going to overthink it. We're not going to, you know, we don't have all the answers right now, but we're just going to dive in and start putting the work in and see what happens. So, so what gave you the confidence for that? And then also what kept you from getting discouraged when the valet trash side of the business didn't take off immediately? And then also what gave you the confidence to, to pivot and say, all right, well, this is not going like we thought it would, but we're going to still start, start doing business. Um, Cause I think there's some valuable, very valuable lessons in there. No, I think it's um, a bit of, a bit of both. We, we both are pretty uh, a type personality guys. And yeah. uh, when we put our mind to something, we pretty much, um, we measured, measured about what we do, but once we and we're intentional, but once we put forth a plan, Inserado more likely execute on it. 
Um, but as far as the courage to jump out from my desk, so to speak, in uh, corporate America, um, uh, I, like I told you, we started that business in the, in the Great Recession. And even though we didn't leave maybe till a, a year after, some of the writing was on the wall. Um, a lot of yeah. businesses uh, with my that particular industry in advertising, you can imagine it was one of the first budgets to get cut. Always. Kind of yep. knew yeah. that we needed to make a transition before it yeah. transitioned us. And then secondarily, uh, when, I, when I made the leap, my wife happened to be pregnant at the time. And uh, so I, I know I terrified her. If you thought I was scared, <laughs> I, know, I know she was terrified. <laughs> yep. Yep. But the thing that probably put me over over the hump in terms of being able to, you know, look a pregnant woman in the face and tell her that I was going to quit my job uh, <laughs> in, the, in the middle of a recession <laughs> uh, was that one, I did have a, a good savings. I always tell entrepreneurs, make sure you got a good savings and mm -hmm. really take an account for all your assets. Look at your 401k, look at your your uh, your home. Just make sure you got your ducks in a row. I had about a year's worth of savings up for all of my essentials. And I just felt like if I exhausted six months, eight months of this, I, I should be able to leave me enough time to go find a job. Yes. So, so you, uh, what I'm hearing is, and, and Sherrod, feel free to jump in, man, but yeah. you had confidence in yourselves, right? You said, look, we've got an idea. We, we clearly think there's a need. We'll, we're willing to bet on ourselves. If we set our minds to something, we're going to go build it. We're going to make it happen. Even if we don't have, you know, all the answers today or, or know exactly what that's going to look like, but you were also smart about it, right? You, you did kind of ease into it. You didn't, you know, just walk out of your job on a whim. Uh, you know, you made sure you had savings and, and as you put it, kind of have your ducks in a row. Uh, so I think that's great advice, you know, for, for the aspiring entrepreneur out there. I mean, what, what would you add to that, Sherrod? Yeah, I think it's, it's right on what you said. We, we bet on ourselves. My thing was we were, we were doing this every day, you know, in corporate America, right? Taking, yeah. taking risks. We weren't, the salary wasn't there. It was, it was about those sales, right? Sure. <laughs> and so yeah, true. we were true. doing that. We had a track record, a proven track record of doing that. So it was just like, let me put that energy into, into this bucket, right? And do something yeah. I believe on, like I believe in. And the support at home was was huge. Um, my wife's support, not too long after, my wife got pregnant as well, <laughs> believe it or not. And I, I thought that my saving situation was gonna work out until she got pregnant. So so, <laughs> so you know changer, what I isn't it? You know what I did, Wes? That same restaurant that that recruited me to, to corporate America, I went right back to them part-time. I, I wow. hopped in that junk removal truck. And we're going to go. push this junk removal. I was the junk removal guy. Hell so yeah. I was doing that from, from sun up to sundown or go home just enough time to change, put on my uniform with the tie to go to the restaurant to do it, to do it at night. And I did it until I couldn't do it anymore. And the reason why I said I can't do it anymore is I had more, I had enough work, just junk removal work to say, you know what, let me trade this shift tonight and wake mm -hmm. up a little earlier tomorrow and work a little harder to get this junk removal going. Man, I love that. That's that's huge. Right. So the, the combination of being willing to bet on yourselves, but also being willing to put in the work and roll your sleeves up and do whatever was needed, because uh, I, I think that's you know something some some people struggle with. Right. Is they, they might look at certain aspects of the business and say, well, that's that's below me. So I'm not I'm not going to go pick up that junk or whatever. And, and really being willing to, to do whatever you need to do. Uh, and make those sacrifices early on so that you can build something that, you know, will improve your life and the life of others and in a big way going forward. Wes here. You may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast. And that's because franchising's had a massive impact on my life. And it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company 
where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with. And while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at pathtofreedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. So what about what about when you you started having, you know, some of these challenges early on and and things didn't take off the way you thought it would? I can only imagine that was pretty discouraging. What kept you guys from giving up and and saying, "Look, we're just going to we got a pretty good thing going here with with our corporate jobs. Let's just, you know, we tried it, but let's just keep focusing on this cuz this is what's bringing in money right now." What kept you from giving up? Yeah, I think it's those, those that's those obstacles. The sign of that time with the foreclosed home, you know, the jump removal was going okay. We we're turning one job to another, and then we we found the opportunity to really tap into that network, to that foreclosure home network. Kind of gave us another opportunity to kind of you know put ourselves out there and really be able to fulfill and give us another chance. And that kind of allowed us to ride the wave just long enough to finally get our valet trash contract, yeah. which started to give us some more permanence, right? So we can really start to you know, make, make better decisions based on predictable revenue. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's the beauty of, and you, you mentioned earlier, I think it was Fred said, you know, talked a little bit about how, you know, there is a a very strong synergy between the two businesses, junk removal and the valet trash, because these apartment complexes do have such a need for, for junk removal. So I think that's brilliant. And it's also unique, right? I mean, there's no shortage of companies that'll come haul off your junk, right? Right, right. You guys know that. People listening know that. But I haven't seen any other kind of combination 
you know, dual punch businesses like this. So I think that's very unique. And, you know, when I'm talking to people about franchise businesses, uh, you know, if, if it's someone I think could be a good fit for a junk removal type business, to me, that's a, a huge differentiator, you know, just in terms of the synergies between the two businesses. And the other reason is brilliant is that you got recurring revenue on one side. And then what I would imagine are like larger ticket, you know, kind of one time or once a year, once every couple year type jobs. And, and that's great from a cash flow perspective, right? Because you got larger sums coming in periodically and then a nice steady stream of cash flow that, as you said, Sherrod, is predictable. So most businesses are like one or the other. You guys have both. And, and that's cool. Sure. That's honestly what allowed us to basically bootstrap, you know, from, yeah. from where we were to the borrower pickup truck to our first dump truck, right? To yeah. a fleet of 25, you know, across 20 states. But it, that predictable revenue, that point of sale, that daily cash uh, was huge. Yeah. And then once we really started to focus on systems that allow us to monitor our business, right? And to mm. be able to pivot and, and adjust and to be able to make um, those decisions, it really helped our business um, explode. So, so I like what you said there, systems. That, that comes up a lot. You know, you're talking to anyone that's involved in, in a franchise business, you're going to hear systems and, and processes. Like you're not going to find a franchisor that doesn't talk about systems and processes. But, you know, where did that start to, to come in for you guys? You know, where did you get start getting to the point where you realized, you know, hey, we're doing pretty good, but we can scale this thing. And, 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 and I want to hear more of the story of how you started franchising in a minute. But, you know, when did it kind of dawn on you that, hey, we could be bigger than just, you know, Tampa Bay trash? Like we could we could really scale this thing, but we're going to have to get a little more organized to do so. We're going to have to have some systems and some processes. At what point in time was that? Because this was 2008 as you guys are getting this off the ground. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the evolution leading up to deciding to franchise the business. Good stuff. No, good stuff. Um, well, we're we're near millennials. We're Generation X. On Rob might be a millennial. Uh, we're on the cusp of being a, a millennial, so we kind of are, are kind of born into technology to some degree, and we've yeah. pretty much been, been interrupting technology into our business from day one. Um, like Shara said, from, from the moment he met, we had a site up. I think in a couple of days from the time we we accepted yeah. our yeah. deal. Um, that said, the thing that kind of grew us across uh, uh, out of our, our, our home here in Tampa um, was really relationships. Um, like I told you, we had penetrated and, and started to do business with um, several apartment associations or, or several property management companies in the association. Mm-hmm. We had one we were doing business with in Tampa and asked us, could we go over to South Florida to the West Palm mm-hmm. Beach market? And eventually we did. And uh, we, we took a chance, went out in that market, it's about 300 miles away from us. And yeah. uh, we started to utilize technology. We, we started with just rudimentary phone technology or phone communication. And then we started to find work fulfillment tools that would allow us to gather uh, photographs from people to verify their work, build mm. reports that we could share with uh, clients. And we started to build systems. Once we um, uh, had a good fulfillment in a new marketplace, the client would naturally grow us. Uh, the, the secret sauce, the uh, Valley Trash, which we didn't go into deep with, is the revenue generation that it creates for property management. Um, an apartment complex, okay. like a lot of commercial assets, is really just value on the cash flow it creates. Sure. And yeah. um, property management is always looking to increase, or asset asset owners or owners of these apartment complexes are always looking to increase uh, the net operating income of the asset. 
There's only sure. so many ways they can do that, right? They can raise rents, they can, and then the next way is usually amenities. And it, you mm-hmm. know, really you run short these days on amenities. All you really got is a gym a lot of times. Um, sometimes you have an on-site laundry, a car wash, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so they look at us as a real profit center. They charge residents a fee above and beyond the cost of what we charge them. Mm-hmm. And they keep that difference as profit. Sure. And so once you get a, a good competent operator, they're looking at their other communities to see where they can place us to increase that revenue. One, not only um, get the, the immediate revenue generation, but it also increases the value of the asset, the cash flow overall. That yeah. said, that, that client turned into more properties in uh, South Florida. They then asked us, could we go to Colorado? We took a deep breath and we went to Colorado. And, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> and uh, next thing you know, just to fast forward, that's essentially how we've grown. Uh, good fulfillment managers uh, end up, uh, property management companies end up spreading us throughout the nation. But in the meantime, we still wanted to grow our jump removal business, right? That's just the ballet trash side of our business. And sure. I just told you the synergy piece for it, uh, uh, the synergy pieces of junk removal and the need for uh, bulk removal is as it's called in the apartment industry. Um, bulk, the need for bulk removal and junk removal on a, a weekly, if not daily basis. Uh-huh. And so we essentially followed our accounts, right? Well, we started to get more dense in a marketplace, three, three, two to three apartment uh, uh, contracts. We drop a, a, a junk shot truck in that marketplace. Kind of skipping over a bit because I didn't necessarily tell you the inception of junk shot. But that said, um, junk removal wasn't always easy either. And um, like I told you, as children or, or as, uh, technology, uh, as a technology company, we, we fought real hard to, to figure out how we could get some technology to make things more efficient for us. And yeah. Sherrod actually told you like he did, he was in the truck. So he was experiencing some of the inefficiencies firsthand. And one of his biggest frustration was the quoting process. It's probably the biggest I gotcha uh, moment in junk removal. If you ever use a junk removal company, um, most customers' frustration, except when they're calling duck shot is uh, they get a price over the phone, a um, uh, quote over the phone, a quote range. They get on site, the technician inflates that range well above and beyond what they were quoted over the phone. Yep. And now you're left with a dilemma. You got the big junk truck here, your trash is here. What do you do? Most people just go ahead and capitulate and mm-hmm. do the junk removal. Yeah. Well, Sherrod was running into that same frustration. And, and if you can kind of tell, we care about people. And Absolutely. he was, even though he wanted to still do business, we, you know, we're still capitalists. He just felt that he didn't have to uh, uh, give people a false impression about a quote process because it wasn't necessarily always his fault. He'd give a quote for range sure. over the phone. He'd get on site and sometimes people wouldn't necessarily tell him about that piano over there. Well, yeah, you're relying on them. You're relying <laughs> on them to accurately tell you because I've, I've been there like I get this. I've I've used the same junk removal company three or four times now. You guys would know the company if I said the name. Um you know, great, good service or whatever. But that was always a bit of a frustration. I call them. They'd be like, well, so like, how much stuff do you have? Is it a quarter, an eighth, a, a 16th or a 32nd of a truck? And I'm like, I don't know how much a 32nd of a truck is. And they're like, well, it's like the size, of, you know, a love seat. And I'm like, well, I don't have a love seat. I don't need you to pick up a love seat. Like the stuff I have is nothing like a love seat. I don't. And so it was always like a little bit of a question mark in my mind. They'd be like, all right, well, it's going to be roughly like this amount. And then you know, they get out there and some I've, I've probably done this four times now. So sometimes it was closer <laughs> to what they originally told me. Sometimes it's been more. I, I don't know if it was ever actually less than than what they told me. And so it's I could see it on both sides. Right. Where, you know, maybe there's some, you know, uh, misleading, but also you're relying on the client to like accurately 
tell you, and I know for me, it's like when I know they're coming, I'm like looking everywhere. Like what else do I have that I need to get rid of? So it could change from the time I called to, to the time they actually get there. So totally get it. Um, totally get it. And, and before you go any further, just so I don't lose this, I love that you pointed out how the fact that Sherrod was in the truck, he was feet on the ground, gave you that insight. It helped you identify a, a problem that then you could solve, which would not only help the business, but also create a better experience for the clients. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if you guys would have ever figured that out, or you definitely wouldn't have figured it out as quickly had, had Sherrod not been in the truck actually, you know, out there kind of in the trenches, if you will. For sure. And you know, I would say <clears throat> to add to that, half of the technology that we have now, you know, since the, I think we did that in 2011, we developed that app. Oh, wow. It's all, okay. it's, it's all because of guys are in the truck and they're, they're sharing their story of what they're learning. They're sharing the problems of losing a key. Right. And now we have a system of making sure the key doesn't get lost every day. Right. Yeah. And yeah. On. And that's literally our culture. 10 years of sharing what's going on in the streets from a ground level to the guy at the top and the coming together and making sure it's going to help the next person up, the next man up. And that's the part of the beauty of, of our business. So how did you guys create that culture, right? How have you incentivized your, your people, your team to actually come to you with suggestions or, or ideas for how, you know, you could implement new systems and new processes to, to create better efficiencies and, and make everyone's life easier. I mean, was that something you, you would say you've been intentional in doing, or did it just kind of organically happen? It's been intentional across the board. I mean, yeah. it's by God's grace, we had to start, right? And, and, and learn yeah. every single piece. So they didn't know, those customers didn't know that I was the same guy that answered the phone that was doing <laughs> that job. You see what right. I'm saying? Yeah, they didn't yeah. know. So to be able to even learn that, like that conversation and okay, now, even though we have a system for app and transparency or trash parency, I got to throw a trash, trash that's, phrase. That's pawn right? number two. two. I really am keeping tallies. We're working right, on it, got, man. We're working got on it. Two. But uh, even though if we have a system for that, you know, we have to have, to have a system for phone calls, right? To, to enhance that experience as well. So yeah. once we figured that out, everybody that comes in now, they understand that you, there's, no, there's no cap on this, right? The sky's the limit. And I'm going to tell you why, because we have, we're the inventors and the founders of the Junk Shot app. You know how we found that? Because we did the same job you did. Now mm -hmm. you have skills. We see what you have. What can you do to help us take it to the next level? And everybody feels empowered that way. And honestly, yeah, they yeah. are the most important people because these are no the guys doubt. that are dealing with the customers in the field. The yeah. people who answer the phone, they're dealing with the customers, right? So if they're not feeling empowered, our business goes out the window. And yeah. so by doing what we did, we wanted to make sure that we can instill that same power, that same energy, and that same sense of pride in anybody who comes into this organization. That's so smart. And and it's so true. And and you make a good point, right? Without without your teams, without your people, like you don't have a business, right? So and sure. and having those people feel empowered, I, I guess my bet would be you have far less turnover than a similar company that doesn't have that same culture where they encourage their people to come to the table with great ideas and suggestions, and they actually empower them that way. Because that's that's an organization people want to stay with and they want to grow with. And I don't care what business we're talking about. It's always the biggest challenge, right, is finding and keeping good people. So I, I love hearing that. And, and I would also imagine that the fact that you guys can say, hey, your role that you're doing, we've done it, too. Yep. That 
that tells them, you know, they're the leadership of the company is not asking anyone to do something that they haven't done themselves or wouldn't be willing to do themselves. That goes a long way as well. So that those are some really good pieces on, you know, leadership and, and intentionally developing a culture within your organization. So I, I, you know, I love, love hearing that type of, uh, that type of advice and, and experience. Um, so you, you almost expanded out of necessity, right? With at least with the trash valet business, uh, because your, your clients and through these relationships that you guys developed, they were saying, Hey, we need you over here. We need you over here. And you just kind of rose to the occasion. I like what you said earlier, Fred, you're like, they, can you come to Colorado? We took a deep breath and we went to Colorado. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's what you do. You don't, you don't turn down that opportunity. Right. Uh, but again, it's another good example of how you guys didn't overthink it. You said, Hey, you think we can go to Colorado? Yeah. I'm sure we'll take some bumps and bruises along the way, but we'll figure it out. So, so at what point did you, did you come to the realization that you wanted to franchise the business? Cause I'm assuming that wasn't like the goal day one back when it was Tampa Bay trash, right? No, absolutely not. We were, we were actually pretty, uh, pretty stuff for a few years, even when we transitioned over to accelerated waste and we, we got even our, our monikers that we have today in the way of junk shot and your stuff details. Um, we've been pretty growing at a pretty decent clip um, since then. And, um, and even till today. And so when we looked at our own success, we could continue to, you know, launch locations uh, as we grow on contracts. We've even um, placed junk shots in markets now previous prior to placing having any violate trash contracts in the market. We've got several okay. markets where we've launched junk shot um, prior to uh, launching um, or having valet trash contracts in the marketplace because we wanted to prove out a business case for ourselves. Nice. And, and to be honest with you, quite frankly, uh, Wes, we're selfish with our success. We are, we honestly, we, we got tired of being selfish with us. We wanted to actually understand how we could grow and help other entrepreneurs grow, um, not only through the systems that we had created, but also through the relationships uh, that we had created. One of our, our clients' uh, biggest frustrations with us is that our junk removal uh, side of our business isn't big enough for them. Uh, they mm. want us to be even more places um, because we're, we're different in the fact that we're a commercial-led business. And that was another thing when we went down this journey. We didn't talk much about it uh, when you were asking about some of our early days and even mm -hmm. to the day, but we rely a lot on mentorship. Um, even mm. in our early days, if you would have saw us when we were just uh, guys in the truck, uh, it wasn't too, we, we never missed a chance to go to our small development. In our city, we have a small business development um, center and yep. it's sponsored by our university here. Um, but we would, go there. We, would, mm -hmm. yep, we would go there and uh, they had mentors and different past business owners that basically volunteer their time to coach young entrepreneurs like us and, and missing some of the mistakes that we might make um, otherwise. And so they, they cut us out a lot of headaches frankly, um, allowed us to look around corners that we wouldn't have saw otherwise. And we continue to do that even when we started to look at franchises. You know, me and Sherrod, like I told you, we're, we're, we're always going to do some research before we, before we do anything. And we started to look at the landscape of our competitors. Um, believe it or not, um, we have one of the largest, uh, one of our larger competitors based here in Tampa Bay. And they're also one of the largest franchise yeah. companies in, in the area. So we've got two of our main competitors. I know who it is. <laughs> in, in our in our marketplace and so we we were looking we, we of course we wanted to study and understand what was part of their growth model what was part of their their successes 
what were some of their failures, right? We got to watch them take some hiccups through their brand. Yep. And, and we wanted to avoid some of those as we started to grow. And so we started to investigate everything from, you know, building out our own FDD or getting a franchise uh, consultant group to come and help us build out. We looked at all those different options. And throughout that journey, we started to build some relationships and we met uh, Gary Finley uh, and uh, Todd Bingham. Mm-hmm. Um, they're part of Friend Experts, uh, the, the Restoration One group. And uh, they met us and, uh, and we instantly got to, they allowed us to answer, ask some questions. They asked us some questions and we found we had some synergies um, that we could be beneficial for us in terms of uh, building a partnership to help us grow. Yeah. And um, they've also um, saved us a lot of headaches as we started to grow our franchise, um, not only just in the way of um, what we hope to be sales, but more so in the way of perfecting those systems and making sure that that, that, uh, that success that we see is translated over to our franchisees. And that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, man, that's that's so important. Right. I mean, everything you just said is spot on, even if we're not talking about franchising. Right. I mean, just the importance of having mentors you know, as an entrepreneur, and really that applies to, to pretty much any aspect of your life, right? But someone that's already done it, someone that's had more success than you have, someone that's already made the mistakes so they can help you avoid making those same mistakes. And I like how you put it, it's kind of see around the corner, see what's what's coming next. Uh, it's it's so crucial. And and in particularly, you know, if you're a company that's scaling and and now you want to look at making that transition into franchising, because it's a whole nother ballgame. Like you guys as founders, your role changes when you're franchisors now, because as you already said, you know, you enjoy being able to kind of coach and mentor other people that are starting their own entrepreneurial journey. But I've seen people start franchising their business and and they didn't fully realize like how their role was going to change. And then they realized like, oh, I don't don't like this. I want to go back to actually running my business, not helping other people run their businesses. And so- you know, there's a lot that goes into it. There's there's a lot of, you know, legal stuff. You mentioned the FDD. There's just so much to think through. And, you know, for me, being in, in my role as a consultant, I see hundreds and hundreds of franchises. And and I see quite a few, you know, what I would call emerging franchises. So they're, they've more recently started franchising. They don't have, you know, a, a whole lot of a track record or, or hundreds or thousands of franchisees. I'm not opposed to those types of businesses by any means, but the first thing I always look at is who's the leadership of the company and what's their background. And, and so for guys like yourselves, like I would give you a lot of credit for, for being able to realize and also being humble enough to to recognize that, you know, we've got a lot of experience in this business, but we haven't done franchising yet. So let's go find some guys that have, and the guys you mentioned, Gary, Todd, I mean, there's some of the most well-respected, you know, executives in franchise. I mean, you look at Gary Finley's track record, it's it's amazing in terms of the franchise companies he's been involved in and, and helped grow and scale. So you went out and found guys that have done it before that are going to be able to mentor you through this process. And so for me, if I'm looking at a, if I'm learning about an, a, a more emerging franchise and, and it's the founders and they don't have a background in franchising and they're just kind of trying to figure it out as they go. I'll be like, hey, I'll check back in in like five years and see if one, they're still franchising and number two, how they're doing. But, you know, if it's the the track that you guys chose to take, I'm all ears because I'm like, this is a great opportunity to get in ground floor. It's a good concept. It's unique. It's differentiated. And they've got some franchising expertise that's going to help them grow this thing the right way. 
it's a whole whole nother ball game in in my eyes. So I, I think that I mean I think you deserve a lot of credit for that because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially you get to the point that you guys were at when you started franchising, you'd had some success. It's easy to let your ego get in the way a little bit and be like, we don't need someone to to help us do this. We've gotten this far, like we we could figure this out too. Um, so I, I love hearing that. And, uh, I'm glad that you guys partnered with the people that you did, because I think it's, uh, I think it's going to turn into something very, very special. Uh, I appreciate you saying that you really hit it on the head. I got to laugh because it was about five years ago when we thought we were ready. If you just would just ask me and Fred alone, we had both businesses (laughs) doing well over a million dollars each year. I mean, it was clockwork. We had a business like science and we met Todd and Gary, you know, we're ready. They came out, saw us, looked us in the eye. I said, this is nice, but you're going to want to do this, 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 and this, right? And just like yeah. you said, it's a completely different business. So we needed to make sure this business runs where we can be completely hands off. That's want, right. right? Yeah. But still focus on growing it. And it took us five years. We were able to still grow the business 20% year over year, but it took us a long five years just to perfect every in and out, right? From the different departments, right? From the billing department to the support department to the managers over our managers, but it, I'm glad that it came that way. And I appreciate you um, understanding that that journey, um, because in our head, we wanted to take, we were ready, man. And it's been tough for us to wait these five years. No doubt. I can imagine. Yeah, it takes a lot of discipline to, to kind of say, well, let's let's really shore some things up, yeah. build some things out before we then try to step on the gas with franchising. But, you know, it's put you guys in a position, I think, to, to get off to a much stronger start and and ultimately grow faster, you know, would be my guess. So, you know, on that note, maybe that's a good segue into, I mean, like, tell us where is Accelerated Waste Solutions today? Because it, it, it has been more recently that you actually started franchising the business. So, you know, where are you guys at today? What's the outlook for the next year or two? And then I'd love to, you know, hear what you guys vision is long term for the business as well. So, so our first, we launched our franchise company in 2020. Um, so we sold our first franchise at the end of last year and they, they opened up this year. They're, yeah. fi- they're five months strong. If you call them and ask them, they're talking breaking even within six months. I, it's unbelievable. Yeah, That's Husband huge. and wife team. Yeah. I mean, the culture is there. The care is there. They're literally part of the family. It's unbelievable. So we have them up and running and then we have two more signed getting yeah. ready to open up as well. So we're in the game now. So it's exciting, but yeah well it's look it's it's off to the races and and the three of us talked a couple weeks ago to to kind of you know prep for for this podcast and i think it was you sarad you were like i was like how's everything going you're like man i just hung up with our first franchisee and like they had some questions and they're actually doing business and i got he's like man that was like the one of the best phone calls (laughs) i've ever been on just all smiles and i was like that's so cool um so that's the business so so what's what's kind of the vision you know, going forward, I mean, and obviously you guys have already talked about how you had a vision at one point, but that vision changed. You were willing to pivot. But, you know, as we sit here today, what's kind of the vision long terms? Where where do you want Accelerated Waste Solutions to be 10 years from now, 15 years from now, even further out than that? No, we um we can want to continue to grow, of course. Uh, but like I said, we want to share in that success. Um, so much so that the contracts that we've garnered over the last decade that span, like I said, from California to Oregon, up the East Coast, all through the Midwest, from Oklahoma to Nebraska, believe it or not. Um, whenever we take on a franchisee, we built out our business model. And so that uh, the franchisee has an opportunity to take on those existing contracts with existing revenue from yeah. day one. 
Yeah. It was um, one of the beneficial springboards for our, our other franchisee that Sherrod was mentioning. And it's um, quite unique inside of uh, any business model for it that is. matter, but uh, let alone uh, the franchise world to be able to walk day one into uh, actual revenue. Cash and flow, so, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, man. Um, that's, that's one of the big uh, um, growth pieces of our franchise, but more so making sure that we build a network of uh, franchisees. We're looking at our franchisees to make us stronger, even though we can grow and operate at a distance. Like I told you, there's nothing that um, sells this business more than the local relationship. Yeah. Oh, I can garner business sitting here in Tampa, Florida. I can tell you, if, like I said, I, I was telling me about the phone call he was beaming from. We sit here every day in awe in, our, in terms of our franchise right now, where the emails that she gets from just the relationship. She's a past dental yeah. hygienist. So just a, a few months ago, she was um, plugging in cavities, and now she's <laughs> dealing with uh, junk removal, and uh, she's killing it. And that's uh, so cool. She's, she's killing it, and uh, that's really based on those local relationships that a franchisee is able to create. And uh, we can't duplicate that as best as I like to. I can't be the person there to shake someone's hand and be an actual business owner, somebody dedicated in that community mm-hmm. that wants to make a difference in that community have a reflection of a great business that benefits people with employment and, of course, a life-changing revenue for themselves and their family. So that's the growth model for us. We're going to be looking to, to gain 100 locations uh, and you knock on wood in the next three to five years is our, our hope. And uh, we're, we're working our butt off to make sure we see that happen. Well, I think you guys are well on your way to doing that. And, and you know, that's the beauty of franchising and why it works, right? Because like you said, so many businesses revolve around relationships and local relationships. And so it, it can be really hard to scale it, you know, from afar. Um, and, and just to, to kind of highlight what you mentioned earlier, Fred, with, with how unique of an opportunity it is to be able to come in as a new franchisee and, and potentially step into some contracts that, that are already in place. You know, these are longer term contracts as well. And, and to be able to have that cash flow from day one, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, if you guys have any contracts in Wilmington, North Carolina, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, or if you get some, give me a call because, uh, you know, we should talk. That's uh, Even not. We're there. We're there. I'm in Myrtle and Wilmington. So are you really? Let's talk, yeah, let's yeah, talk yeah. offline, man. And you, you'll have to get on to Todd Leonard because I'm pretty sure I asked him about that like four months ago and he said, no, nah, nothing there. Uh, sign contracts every day. We sign contracts every month. All right. So maybe it's changed. Maybe, maybe Todd's <laughs> off the hot seat then, but uh, anyways, interesting, but no, that, so, I mean, that's, that's huge. Right. Um, and, and that can really get a, a franchisee off to a, a quick start by, by having, you know, some of that revenue coming in day one, because any business there's, there's going to be a ramp up. So that, that just right. helps, helps the, with the ramp up in, in a big way. Um, and, and like I said, I think you guys are doing it right. I'm curious, like, you know, what have you learned through some of your mentors and, and what are you guys looking for? Because you mentioned, you know, one of your franchisees has a background as a, as a dental hygienist. So what was it about, you know, this franchisee or, or you know, I, I, did you say it was a husband and wife couple? So what was it about the couple that made you say, hey, these, these guys, this is who we want for, for franchisee number one? Because I know you guys know how critical it is, you know, where you are today that, you know, these first few franchisees that you bring in, that they're the right fit and that they're going to have a very high likelihood of being successful because if you don't get the right people initially, it's very hard not to go backwards, you know, when you're, when you're franchising. So 
you know, what are you guys looking for in franchisees? Clearly, it's not a prerequisite that you have experience in in the the waste industry. Um, So what was it about these folks that you said, this is who we want as as franchisee number one? Cool thing about them, they're actually high school sweethearts, husband and wife. Oh, yeah. You don't Um, hear that much anymore. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. I really appreciate how they, you know, how they love each other and talk about each other. Um, But I'll tell you what, number one, to be part of this organization, you have to value people and and be able to nurture relationships. Mm. And that's what came across instantly. And before we, because we first met with the husband, before we could even meet with the wife, just how much he was talking about her, right? And how she people react to her and how she likes to love on people and go out there yeah. and cares. That was number one, right? And then it has to be someone who's willing to, still willing to lead by example, right? Mm-hmm. Even, mm-hmm. even them, she was cleaning deck, but she's still out there. She has to get out there. She's going to get out there and get her hands dirty if she has to. But, and someone who, you know, is going to do some, do what they say they're going to do. Um, so those values were extremely important to us. Someone who can lead by example. And that's what, what we got from them and someone who were, was passionate about what we do. It's like when we, they kept saying one thing when we, you know, went further along the process, like it just makes so much sense to me. It just makes so much sense. And it was because at the end of the day, she understood that if you, once you do this business, right, you're literally helping people. There's nothing yeah. negative that can come back if you're putting out positives. And yeah, that's yeah. what, that's what made sense. So that's, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Well, I love hearing that. And, and you know, a couple of things I'd like to highlight there. One is because this is a very common misconception that I run into is, you know, people that I connect with, you know, they, they their tendency is, you know, if they want to find a franchise business, they're going to look at, all right, well, what do I have experience in? What industries do I have experience in? I need to go find a franchise that's somehow related to an industry that I have experience in. Mm-hmm. And that's, typically not the case, which may be a bit counterintuitive. It's more usually franchisors are looking for certain personalities, maybe certain broader skill sets, but they're not usually looking for someone with direct industry experience, you know, to come in as a franchisee, because that's what the systems, the processes, the training that you guys have spent all of these years developing. That's where that comes into play, right? But you can't train personality. You can't train you know, uh, work ethic, you can't train, you know, someone to, to go out and, and know how to develop relationships and, and treat people the right way. Um, so I, I'm really glad to hear you guys talk a little bit about that and that, and to hear that that's how you guys are looking at it. And, and so hopefully anyone out there listening, you know, takes that to heart. Uh, cause that's something I battle with all the time. Like, look, you got to really keep an open mind if you're serious about finding the right franchise business for you, because in a lot of cases, it's going to be the last thing you would ever imagine yourself doing. Like, I, I would bet some some money that your your franchisee number one a year ago uh, when she was working as a dental hygienist, if you would have said, hey, you're going to own a uh, trash valet and junk removal company, she would have like, what are you smoking? Uh, right, you're right. crazy, right? right. So I, I always take a chance to kind of highlight that because it is so counterintuitive to to a lot of people that aren't kind of familiar with this process. So, um, right. you know, I, I don't want to let you guys go without giving you a chance. I mean, we've talked a lot about the business. And, and so I think throughout the conversation, you know, we've learned a lot about really these two different businesses that run alongside of each other and, and have some good synergy together. But like for someone out there that, that is maybe looking for a great 
franchise business to get into, you know, give us some of the bullet points of, you know, why accelerated waste solutions could be an interesting option. You know, what are some, kind of some of the, the key things you'd like to highlight about the business model um, and, and some of the things that you think are, are unique and, and really differentiate you? I know we've hit on some of that already, but give us like the, the maybe the elevator pitch on, on kind of the franchise opportunity, if you will. And we need another show. I know we'll have to do, we'll have to do round two. Uh, you guys story was so fascinating though. I had to, I spent a little more time there than I was planning to, but, uh, that, that stuff was gold. No, I'm dodging, I'm dodging. No, uh, essentially, uh, we're, we're the nation's only jump removal app and, and then protect it. Uh, there's not many uh, businesses that you're going to join that you got a, a real deal, a value of a patent protected brand, um, that, and a patent protected system that you know has got a 20 year runway on. And then, um, secondarily is the contractual, obli- the contractual, uh, uh, of our business model in the way of valet trash, um, having that secured and having a, a, a bottom line to your revenue that you can predict every single month is invaluable to a business. And mm-hmm. there's very few businesses outside of like gyms and other subscription-based models, like um, some lawn care, that really understand the value of a subscription-based uh, model. And, and there's not many that, and in those, in those business models, and a lot of times you have to sell hundreds, I mean, oh, yeah. hundreds Slow of ticket. subscriptions yeah. um, in order to make that business model make sense. And on the valet trash side, you're talking about selling anywhere from five to 10 contracts in your territory that can change your life. Um, out to the revenue that these, these uh, that you would have to do with a gym. That's a, so, that's a really good point. Cause you're, you're essentially getting probably in most cases, hundreds of doors with one contract. Got it. Right. Average apartment complex is a body where from 200, 300 doorsteps. Yeah, there you go. So that's the coverage of your, 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 your units and you're charging clients anywhere from 10 to $15 per unit per month uh, is what you're earning off of those type of contracts. Yeah. No, I mean, really the, I, I know I mentioned this earlier, but the combination of recurring revenue and then, you know, the larger ticket jobs with the junk removal and then the synergy between the two, I mean, you're not going to I can't think of another business where, where you've got that that kind of combination. And so, you know, recurring revenue businesses are great because there is more predictability. Uh, typically, you can value them a little bit higher if you're looking to sell. Right. But uh, to your point, a lot of times, you know, the subscription based, you know, membership based businesses is much lower ticket. So you do have to go out and get hundreds and hundreds of them to really have a substantial amount of revenue coming in. So that takes time. You know, there's a, there's a pretty long ramp up with those types of businesses, whereas stuff more like your, your junk removal business, which are larger tickets, you can usually scale those a little bit quicker, get to cash flow quicker, but there's no predictability. You know, we've got some businesses that are more of that model and, you know, we've, we had two record months in a row here recently, but guess what? We go back to zero on, on day one of the next month, no matter how good we're going and we got to build back up again. So um, that combination to me, like that's one of the most exciting things about what you guys are building. Um, and, and then talk a little bit more about the patent. So I want to make sure I understand this. So, so you guys have a patent on a junk removal app. So even some of these bigger players in the junk removal industry that have been out there for a very long time, these kind of 800 pound gorillas or whatever the saying is, they, they can't go and roll out because they got deep pockets, right? So they can't just go out and roll out a junk removal app and, and kind of take what you've done and 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 build on that? No, um, no they can't. And uh, they haven't to date. 
And uh, my patent attorney's biting at the, the chopping at the bit to hold somebody infringes on on his work. And so <laughs> <laughs> he, w- he wants to prove that that it's a rock solid. If you patent, ever hired huh? a patent attorney, that's their whole reason for being. They, they like taking your money up front and get you a patent. But the whole reason for being is defending them. And uh, a good patent is built to defend. And uh, mm-hmm. we hadn't had anybody mm-hmm. impede on it today. Not, not from any of the, the 800 pound gorillas you heard in the room or for anybody else. And so that gives us a lot of uh, a lot of elbow room to grow our brand and to grow us with a key differentiation in the marketplace. From day one, uh, we just talked to our marketing company um, that's handling marketing for our franchisee out in the Richmond market. And uh, he started to share, like, you're starting to get people to search for junk shots specifically by name in that market uh, in just a six month time period. And the reason being is if you go and you look up junk removal, once we drop into a marketplace, there's going to be no one else with the app. So once we let you know that you're searching Google, you're looking for junk removal, most people are compelled just to understand what the app experience would be like. Mm. Um, for junk removal yeah and even if yeah. you don't choose to download the app once we get you on the site we got a lot of sticky points there to make us continue to be a value to someone even beyond downloading the app there's our bigger truck better pricing model which is unique to us inside of the entire junk removal industry okay. meaning that we keep the, the largest trucks uh, with the most affordable rate to fill them up we want to keep that key differentiation uh, to make sure that we don't lose business just based on that whole confusing one third four one fourth five-fourth load uh, process that our competitors do. (laughs) And the reason why we can have that bigger trucks, better pricing model is because of the photograph capability of our app. That trash, that transparency, I'll give us one more pun. That transparency that Sherrod talked about or the insight that we get from a customer allows us to make very efficient decisions with our junk removal. We're probably one of the only junk removal companies that know what the trash looks like before we show up on site. So we can actually send a truck that already has material in it without sending it to the dump if we know we still have space enough to take on that junk removal car. There you go. So, mm-hmm. And we're actually doing that for our franchisees, our care center. And our we, we call our care, our call center care center. It's an acronym. Okay. That's basically the culture of our company. Care stands for care. customer service, convenience, affordability, reliability, and environmental responsibility. But that care center is handling all of that logistics for our franchisees. Cause guess what we told you was the most important part of our franchisees uh, life. Day in the life is building relationships. relationships. That's yeah. what we want you out doing. We want you shaking hands with apartment property managers, building relationships at apartment associations, going to networking events. And guess what? When you get your team set up in the morning, you hand them off to the care center team and we're routing them from job to job. We're actually Love coaching that. them. We have an internal messaging system that's, um, coaching them through different jobs, giving them encouragement when they do the right thing. Um, we get Yelp reviews, right? We live and die by Yelp reviews as a service-based business or Google mm-hmm. reviews in general. And so whenever our team are getting those great reviews, we share that across the entire team yeah. in several different oh, states, yeah. even with our franchisees, so everybody can feel the value of that success. So that's our brand. Those are the values of our brand. And, and of course, the key differentiation that makes us a good business model. A lot, a lot of good things there. And and I, I love how you pointed out that that you're able to be, it sounds like pretty price competitive, bigger trucks, best value for the size of the truck because you have this technology. It, you, you're not surprised, right? When you get out to to a job to remove junk, you're not surprised by what's there. And, and you can work more efficiently because you know, hey, we can squeeze an extra load on here because we know exactly what's on the truck and we know exactly what's in this next load. So that allows you to save a lot of money and, and people 
you know, running back and forth to, to the dump or, or wherever you're taking this stuff. And, and something else you hit on that, that I wanted to highlight, right? Because one of you said it earlier, you know, this is a great business to really help people. And that, that might seem a little bit funny to some. You're like, well, we're talking about trash here, guys. Like, are we, how, how are we really helping people? Well, everybody's got it, right? And so if you're making someone's life easy, they're not having to, you know, haul their trash down four flights of stairs at their apartment, throw it on the back of their car and take it to the, to the dumpster every single day. That's huge. That's huge value because most people that are looking to get into a business, you know, they're, they're looking at the economics. They want to, you know, make sure they feel like there's a good ROI and everything. But most people also do truly want to be in a business where they feel like they're adding value to the people that they're working with. Mm -hmm. And I think some Mm -hmm. people may, you know, at surface level, look at a business like Accelerated Waste Solutions and say, well, that doesn't necessarily check that box for me. That doesn't have as much of that kind of warm and fuzzy feel good that I'm looking for. And, and so I'm really glad you guys pointed out that, that it really does. And then to, to go with that is you, this is helping the environment because you guys do a lot of recycling, right? So there is kind of an eco-friendly, uh, you know, vibe to this as well, which is becoming, you know, more and more important to, to most people. So a couple of things I wanted to, uh, to highlight there, but I know I've kept you guys a long time. I know your time is very valuable. So we'll kind of start wrapping this up, but before we do, you know, what else would you like people to know about accelerated waste, about your franchise opportunities that that maybe we haven't had a chance to hit on yet? Good one. I think we pretty much touched on a lot. Um, we're excited about that app. You know, the, the junk shot app easily That's be cool. a household yeah. name, right? Yeah. We talk about now, you know, using a picture to set those expectations, right, and to be a convenient factor. Um, but also the future of the app when we start incorporating spatial recognition, right, and start incorporating machine learning to really Whoa. automate that process. That's when we start getting excited. Um, that's when we start disrupting the entire industry for those companies that can't do what we do in the future. Mm-hmm. When your average consumer knows that that entire junk removal process can be automated from the palm of your hand and other companies can't do that because we do have 20 years to really enforce this patent. So as we work on getting 100, you know, partners in within the next 10 years, so a lot of consumers are going to know about this technology. Yeah. So we're really excited yeah. about just revolutionizing the way people feel about the junk removal industry as a consumer. And as a matter of fact, Wes, the service industry as a whole, we're looking to entirely transform and revolutionize that with our support and with our culture and with our care. I love it. Well, I'm excited to watch you guys do it. I think you're well on your way and uh, really appreciate it. Before I let you guys go, uh, I do a, what I call a lightning round at the end of uh, each episode that I do. It's the same four questions that I ask every guest that, that comes on the podcast. So we can run through this pretty quick, but uh, if you're willing to stick with me here for another minute or two, I'd love to run through the lightning round. And what we'll do since there's two of you is I'll ask the first question and then you know maybe each of you answer it and then we'll just kind of progress through like that. There it, there it is. Sounds good. Awesome. Um, so first question of the lightning round is simply, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? And that could be in business or in life. I'll, uh, I'll keep it in the, uh, the business lane. Uh, one of the best advice that I got was early on in uh, mentorship was about uh, not taking on too little funding. Uh, when we were at Sherrod Chair, which we were bootstrapped, but we did at some point need to seek out capital. Uh-huh. And um, we actually ended up partnering with the, um, the Black Business Investment Corp here in uh, the Tampa Bay area who helped us out with our initial funds for our first order of trash containers, our first inventory of containers. Um, but that said, uh, we were a bit gun shy 
about asking for a, a, mm. a bigger dollar amount than what we asked for. And it was yeah. really out of humbleness. Um, we thought, like I told you, we had a, a meek attitude about being able to do a little with a lot. And I had a mentor that kind of put the brakes on that. And he said, one of the things that you, you want to hesitate from doing when you're growing a business is getting yourself halfway to the lake. You don't want to get in a rowboat, um, get halfway to the lake and run out of steam. Or you don't want to get to the 50 yard, just to the 50 yard line in your business. He's like, and a lot of entrepreneurs have a, a, a scarcity attitude for being able to fund their business properly. And so that, that doesn't mean that you're inefficient with your funds, but it does mean that you have a proper goal in mind and that you reach that goal properly. So that's some of the better advice that I got is that make sure when you're funding your business that you got the I's, cross your T's, but you make sure that you have enough funds to carry you all the way through across. The yeah, that's great advice. Uh, and I, I give very similar advice to the folks that I work with that go on to, to get into a franchise is look, you know, Make sure you got a little more capital than you think you're going to need. And that way you're not spread too thin. Right. Because, right. you know, especially and, and also make sure you got enough money to cover your living expenses. Otherwise, you start making bad business decisions when you start worrying about how quickly can I start pulling money out of the business to pay myself. Um, so I think that's great advice. What would you what would you say is, uh, is best piece of advice for you, Sherrod? Best piece of advice I've heard is, is really learning how to harness the power of positive thinking. Mm. It's been transformational in my life. Mm. Yes, indeed. That that would be right up there at the top of my list as well. Um, so next question is uh, curious. Do you either of you guys have any sort of a morning routine, something that you try to do every morning to prime yourself for a successful day? Yeah, um, me and my wife wake up try to pray every day together mm -hmm. and then um it's pretty much a kid kid a kid show after that <laughs> i understand what i'm not wanting to get up in the morning i like to think i get up in the morning and uh work out some days i can pull it off some days yeah. i don't so i won't account mm -hmm. it for my real routine but just me and my my wife and my family gathering together that's something i really hold true and dear um to, to my life i think it gives me great good stability sends me out my door with the right mindset so yeah. that's a real big piece of starting my day other than that, I live on a lake and I got a bunch of fish in my backyard that I actually uh, train to be a bit aggressive. So every morning I wake up, got a handful of fish food, walk in the back and I'm feeding my bass and my bluegill back there. Uh, I was going to say, I'm, what type of fish are we talking about? He's got crazy. piranhas or something back there. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my neighbors, we uh, we both uh, stock feed our, our, our lake out here. Okay, and, uh, so I got when you. We get up in the morning. We uh, I like to keep them a little bit aggressive, so it's part of my little. <sighs> I thought you were gonna say you get up and take a cold plunge in your lake every morning, but I guess in Florida, <laughs> I guess in Florida the water's probably not that cold, anyways. But right. um, not there, not there, not there. Yet. That's cool. I love it. Uh, what about you, Sherrod? That's funny. I take a plunge in my pool in the morning. I got a, I I got a, I got a heated pool, man. I, I bust some laps oh, out. Oh, nah, no, man. You need to go cold. Put some ice nah, in that pool. Man. Nah, I keep it warm for me. But That's uh, a game changer. Yeah. Cold, cold shower, cold pool. That's an absolute game changer. I do a, I do a cold shower every morning. And... Okay. That's part of my morning routine, and uh, I won't get into too much detail. And I'm not like a psychopath. I get into a hot shower and do my thing, and then last yeah, yeah. two minutes, ice yeah, yeah. cold, because that's like um, the first hard hey. thing of the day. It's good wow. for you. Like, there's health benefits. It's good for you, but it's a good. mental thing, right? If you first thing in the morning, you do something you don't want to do, but you know it's good for you, yeah. it gets you in that mindset of, hey, there's wow. going to be other things today that I don't want to do, but I need to do. 
And uh, yeah, it's okay. it's a it's a good little trick I picked up a few years ago. But uh, right. anyways, maybe dump that. a few bags of ice in the pool next time you go to to we hop can work in. with that. Now nah, we can work with that. <laughs> it, My it will suck. Has a cold plunge, and uh, they, the neighbor has a cold plunge, and he's been trying to tempt me in the when there's I something to it. Try it. He does it every Try morning. It. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, there's something to it. Now it sucks. It's gonna be miserable. It hurts, but yeah. uh, you know, there's there's some some physical and mental benefits to it, or, or nah. at least I've found. I drop, I drop a wrong. few degrees at a time. Right now, I got like there you go. Yeah. I'll bring it, bring it down a little bit more. But the idea is there. I'm with you. I'm you with you. You can ease into it. I hear you. Ease, <laughs> ease into it. <laughs> um, you guys have talked about mentors and and learning from other people. Uh, curious if if either of you were readers, and if so, what book you're reading right now? So I'm actually reading a book written by one of my mentors. It's Dr. Jomo Cousins. It's okay. called 60, 60 Prayers in 60 Seconds, Strictly Business. Business, right? Okay. All right. It, combi- it combines two of my greatest loves. It's, it's the love of God and the love of business. I love and it. And just, you know, topics, verses, explains it, but it, it relates it right to business. I literally take that it. That is cool. And I incorporate something every day of, into my life for what I read in that book. 60 What's the name? Prayers in, 60 Prayers in 60 Seconds, Strictly Business by Dr. Jomo Cousins, one of my mentors. Love it. I just re- jotted that down. Awesome. Sure. What about you, Fred? You reading anything right now? I just finished the book. I had, I'm not reading right now, but I finished the book about a few months ago, about a month or so ago, called The Automatic Customer. And it's a book uh, by John Rarolo. Rar- Rar- I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, but you should be able to find it. Uh, just search out Automatic Customer. Uh, yeah. It's a great audible, quick read. Um, but what it does is it breaks down several different types of subscription-based businesses, and it basically explains how you can all turn almost any business into a subscription-based business. It's mm. pretty fascinating. And so that um, is. I, I was looking at it to, to make sure we shored up some things to ensure that we've got a great uh, reoccurring revenue business for, of our own to, to offer to franchisees. But it was still a great insight read, uh, just a whole host of uh, different businesses you would never think of being able to turn into subscriptions, um, he can pretty much convince you that you can do it with almost any business. And, uh, but it's not always easy. Every business has its challenges. Sure. But uh, a great quick read. Okay. Awesome. I'll check that out too. That does sound very interesting. So uh, thank you guys. And then the final question, and we'll put a bow on this thing is, what is your definition of freedom and are you living it? Nice. Uh, <clears throat> freedom. My definition, the power to pursue what makes you happy and without being hindered by past mistakes, failures, sins, whatever, just the power to move forward and um, definitely living it, especially now with the franchise business doing it, every, doing it every day. And I think it's magnified more that I can bring other individuals into that and I can help them live out their definition of freedom as well. Absolutely. Love that. It's powerful. Fred. Um, I'm like a lot of people. It's probably going to sound cliche, but freedom for me is, Time and choice, yeah. right? Um, the ability to be able to make decisions um, when I want to and how I want to within reason and uh, being able to, to make a choice to, to spend the things that I value with my life. That's what I, I really call freedom. We're getting there. I, hadn't gotten all, I haven't gotten all the way through breakthrough. I keep busy these days. So, But uh, I truly feel blessed in the position that I am as an entrepreneur. I, I'm definitely on a path toward freedom <laughs> without being too cliche. But, uh, but that, that, that said, it's, I'm still on the path, but I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, it's, it's my favorite question to ask and why I like to do this lightning round is because I get to 
hear you know responses from every single person I have on the podcast. And to me, it's interesting to, to kind of compare. And you know, it's been really interesting since starting the podcast. Everyone has at least a slightly different definition of freedom. Like freedom means different things to different people. But one of the most common things that I, I've heard in response to that question, especially from you know the the successful type of people that are coming on this show who all have very similar mindsets is everyone kind of usually throws in something like I'm there, but I can still get more there. Right. It's like this kind of constant pursuit of, yeah, it's pretty good, but it can get better if I keep working at it. So, um, I I love that. And guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate this has been a lot of fun. I know that you took a lot of time out of your busy schedules to be here. So I appreciate it. The audience appreciates it. Um, I'll put links to the website, uh, things like that, where people can connect with you, learn more about the business and the franchise opportunity. We'll put all that in the show notes. So, uh, just want to say thank you. You guys are, are definitely an inspiration. I've learned a lot from you just in the short time that I've spent with you. Know everyone that listens in is going to get a ton of value from it as well. So appreciate everything. Keep doing what you're doing. And man, I can't wait to see what you guys build with this. Thanks so much for having us, Wes, and we look forward to it next time. Yeah, we'll have you on for round two once you get to to number 100. How about that? Let's do it. it. (laughs) Looking forward to it, Wes. Thank you. Sherrod and Fred, thanks for dropping in. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate you. Take care. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.